Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm your host, Paul Vogelsang, and this is episode number 315. Today's show is brought to you by Care Of. As part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living series, our guest today is Richard Bell. Dr. Richard Bell, a previous guest on a show and a fan favorite, is a distinguished professor of history at the University of Maryland. Today on the Not Old Better Show, we'll be talking with Dr. Richard Bell, who will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates program titled, The Books That Fought Slavery, about the long fight against American slavery, which produced some of the most powerful autobiographies and works of fiction in American history. This four-evening book discussion series offers the chance to learn about, read, and informally discuss classics of the period by men and women, both black and white, who were central figures in the struggle to destroy race slavery in the United States. American slavery was destroyed during the Civil War, but only after decades of pressure from activists, both black and white. And we tend to think of the uh, anti-slavery movement as being full of great orators, both in Congress and outside of Congress, and that's true. But so much of the work of anti-slavery activism was done in pen and ink by supremely gifted writers like Frederick Douglass, Harriet Beecher Stowe, William Wells Brown, and Solomon Northup. And in the book series I'm leading at the Smithsonian this spring, we tackle these four authors' greatest works and discuss them in depth in hopes of better understanding why they wrote, what they wrote, and why their books fought slavery and changed American history. That, of course, is our guest today, Dr. Richard Bell. And now, please join me in welcoming via internet phone to the Not Old Better Show, Dr. Richard Bell. Dr. Richard Bell, welcome to the Not Old Better Show. Thanks for having me, Paul. Yes, and, and it's a pleasure to talk to you. Of course, your presentation, uh, the four-part series, is coming up titled The Books That Fought Slavery. Um we should point out that the program participants are going to drive the discussion through the comments and the questions, making for a highly enjoyable program, uh, in- inclusive and participatory. And I wonder if you just tell us a little bit about the series. So this is a program run by Smithsonian Associates called The Books That Fought Slavery. And it's a four-part event. It takes place over four different nights, spread about three weeks apart over the spring. And in each one, we tackle one particular work from the anti-slavery uh, fight. Some of them non-fiction memoirs, like those by Frederick Douglass and Solomon Northup, and two works of fiction as well, uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin being the most famous, but also Clotel by William Wells Brown. And in each of these sessions, uh, I set the book in context. I provide some historical background um, about the history, about the author, about the book's reception. And then all of us in the group, uh, all of whom have read the book before we show up that night, uh, then engage in a general discussion uh, about the book and how it spoke uh, to us and how we weigh its significance then and now in 2018, 2019, I should say. And that's right, 2019. Well, upcoming uh, January 31st, the opening program is about Frederick Douglass. And the book, of course, is The Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass. The book, of course, is the narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass. What is it about this book that's so important, both locally 
and then more broadly regarding Douglas's moral clarity. Well, first we should say that Frederick Douglass uh, lived a long life and he began his life on the eastern shore of Maryland in a plantation in Talbot County. Uh, he lived and worked in Baltimore uh, growing up as well. Uh, and then when he claimed his freedom, he traveled all over the country and in fact, uh, all over the world, including Europe uh, and Haiti and some other places. Uh, but he spent much of his adult life uh, in Washington, D.C. So this is his life is a story with strong uh, local connections. And many of your readers may be familiar with sites in Anacostia in eastern Washington, D.C. that you can visit, which are connected uh, to Douglas. But his autobiography, Paul, uh, is actually the first of three. This is a man who publishes not one, not two, but three memoirs of his life in the course of that long life. Uh, we're going to tackle the first of those, uh, the one that made him famous, that almost literally put him on the map, published in 1845. It wasn't the first ex-slave uh, memoir. There have been shorter um, ex slave memoirs written by other uh, escaped freed people. Uh, but his exploded like a powder keg uh, when it was published. It was filled with uh, masculine heroics, with a degree of uh, bravado and confidence and machismo, which was entirely uh, unprecedented and was an opportunity for Douglas uh, not just to tell his story of his early life uh, as an enslaved person uh, in Maryland, uh, but also make a claim um, that he was a public figure, a public intellectual, uh, someone who was worth more than just the sum of their early years uh, as a slave, someone who had something to say about the political and economic situation caused by slavery uh, in America, someone who should be uh, to borrow a phrase from the Hamilton musical, uh, in the room where it happens, when all discussions of uh, anti-slavery policy and practice uh, were to be discussed. Of course, another book to be discussed then on February 28th will be the Harriet Beecher Stowe book, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Most in our audience are familiar, and many may either love or hate the book. What is important about this book that timing of it, and what people believe it may have incited in the country at that time. Yeah, so this is a tremendously important uh, book, uh, published in 1852, 1853, uh, and it's a work of fiction, of course. It's a novel. It's a story uh, about several enslaved people, some of whom uh, are trying actively to escape their bondage by running away from plantations and trying to make it first to Ohio and perhaps even to uh, Canada. As a genre, it's very hard to pin down, Paul. It's, uh, it's an adventure story, as I've just uh, suggested. Uh, it's also a sort of missionary tract with strong pro-Christian um, messages about morality and ethics. Uh, it's also deeply sentimental. It's designed to make readers in the 1850s cry. Um, not all of those genres have proved enduringly popular. And so in 2019, uh, it's not a work that many readers uh, choose to read outside of a history class or a lecture class. But when you do, I think it rewards you uh, enormously because it's built on a massive amount of research that the author, Harriet Beecher Stowe, uh, did into the stories and experiences of real enslaved people. And you may know that she later published a sort of guidebook, a key, she called it, 
a key to Uncle Tom's Cabin, in which she provided all the primary non-fiction sources on which she had based her fictional characters and fictional plots. And that was to rebut uh, characterizations of the book as fantastic, fanciful, made up. Pro-slavery critics uh, said that the novel was far too sensational and far too unsparing uh, in its depiction of the cruelty of Southern slavery. And Harriet Beecher Stowe replied right back to them by saying, look, here are the newspaper accounts of real beatings, real whippings, real escapes, failed and successful, on which I based this uh, amazing adventure story. And that story proved to be immensely powerful uh, with readers before the Civil War. Southerners hated it, as you suggested, uh, and many Northerners uh, saw in it uh, a rare depiction of the spiritual equality of African Americans with white Caucasians and took home the message, the message Stowe intended, that slavery poisons everything. Hi, Paul here, and we'll be right back with our show and interview guest, Richard Bell. Hey, if I haven't wished you Happy New Year, please let me make it official. Happy New Year. <laughs> Certainly at this time of year, around New Year's Day, as well as all times of the year, at my age, I must make and keep health goals. From your emails to me and the questions you ask about our health-related shows, I know you're making this year about health and wellness too and keeping it a high priority, especially as we age. I mentioned Care of Vitamins at the top of the show and they're bringing today's show to you all and it is with their help and their monthly vitamin subscription service that I'm able to keep up my own health and wellness New Year's resolution. Whether you're interested in boosting your energy levels like me or getting more sleep also like me, glowing skin, yes, that's me too, or generally being healthy, you have got to check out Care of Vitamins at TakeCareOf.com. The great thing, in my opinion, about Care Of is you really begin building a vitamin routine that is so crucial to maintain health and so fundamental to our New Year health and wellness goals. Once you go to the TakeCareOf.com website, you'll be greeted by Care Of's online quiz. That's right, a quiz. You might say, why a quiz? That is really the cool part of Care Of and their approach to important supplements. Care Of cares about asking you details related to your own goals and health before ever suggesting a vitamin supplement routine. You're asked about fitness, digestion, stress, sleep habits, and with that information, Care Of creates a custom personalized subscription box which is sent right to your door every month with personalized daily packs. I got mine a couple of days ago and I've put a picture of that package on the Not Old Better website for you to see the care and detail care of goes to. Every day you use the included vitamin packet dispenser which comes free along with your vitamins and each packet has this great uplifting message. Today, mine was keep your eyes on the stars and your feet on the ground. And that's from Theodore Roosevelt. I found that other packs include a message from Care Of asking how things are going and offering a phone number for the Care Of customer service group to call and discuss if needed. This is very cool and very thorough. You know, if it's my health, I'm careful. And I want to be 
sure my treatment is as careful. There's vegan and vegetarian supplement options that are available to match your own careful dietary needs. I even added the excellent, super delicious Quick Stick Powder for an extra easy boost whenever I need one. I tell you, this is really a great system. It's fun to use the online quiz, the vitamins are top notch, and the free daily dispenser keeps me right on track. I am thoroughly impressed with Care Of. You can be impressed, really blown away too, and Care Of is offering the Not Old Better Show audience a special offer for a new year you. For 50% off your first month of personalized Care Of Vitamins, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter Not Old Better 50. That's Not Old Better 50. You'll find all of this in our show notes, but again, that's TakeCareOf.com and enter Not Old Better 50. You know, remember, we are each one of us unique individuals with unique goals and Care Of uniquely offers us vitamins for us as unique as we are. Totally simple and convenient to get started once more. That is TakeCareOf.com, not old, better, 50. Thanks, everybody, and enjoy your custom supplement packets. Now back to our interview. We are with Dr. Richard Bell. Dr. Richard Bell will be presenting the books that fought slavery, a four-part series starting on January 31st. Next on the program, Dr. Bell, on, on March 28th, will be Clotel, which is from 1853 by William Wells Brown. This is another important book. So tell us why and what else this book vaguely alludes to. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, I don't want to say too much about this story or the surprise away, because this book, Clotel, is less well-known than some of the others that we'll be talking about this spring. Uh, but its author, William Wells Brown, was very well-known during his lifetime. Uh, he was born into slavery and escaped slavery at about the age of 20 in 1834. And he writes Clotel while touring in England about 20 years later in 1853. It's written for a British audience to tell them something about the experience of American slavery, though it's written uh, in a novelistic form. It's written as nonfiction, though it lightly disguises um, or rather plays upon the uh, well-known story by 1853 of Thomas Jefferson's relationship uh, with his uh, one of his enslaved uh, workforce, uh, Sally Hemings. Uh, mm -hmm. William Wells Brown uh, changes Sally's name, changes the name of Sally's uh, children, uh, but writes an adventure story from the perspective of one of those uh, children, a woman um, who, despite having an enslaved mother, uh, passes as white and yet remains a slave in 1850s America. And it recounts uh, this woman, whose name is Clotel, her myriad attempts to break her chains uh, and escape uh, to freedom. Uh, and it culminates with one of the most dramatic final scenes in any American novel. And in fact, Clotel has lays claim to being the first African-American novel, the first novel ever written and published by an African-American. I think readers who haven't read it before will uh, discover there's a lot to love. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I just, I really think this is going to be a great program. I just encourage my audience to check out all four parts of this four-part series with Dr. Richard Bell. Well, Dr. Bell, uh, last in the series, 
uh, for you is Solomon Northrup's 12 Years a Slave. Of course, the title, 12 Years a Slave, a famous film, an Oscar-winning film that many in our audience will know, but the book is equally powerful. So tell us why you selected this book and how it fought slavery. Yeah, this is a really important uh, book in its own right, and not just because of that powerful Oscar-winning 2013 uh, movie directed by Steve McQueen, a brilliant piece of cinema uh, that was based on this uh, memoir. But this memoir caused quite a splash and an impact when it was published in the United States, also in 1853, which was a big year for anti-slavery books, apparently. One of the things 12 Years a Slave does, which so much else of the anti-slavery canon doesn't do quite as directly, is focus on the experience of free African-Americans kidnapped into slavery. If I th when we think of antebellum slavery, we think of it either being a closed system uh, or a system that's slowly leaking as en enslaved people run away. But it's also true that it was a, a system that was sucking in free people and turning them into slaves. And Solomon Northup, who was in his mid-30s, a highly educated musician living in upstate New York, was one of the tens of thousands of free African-Americans kidnapped into slavery by gangs of professional human traffickers uh, and sold for profit, usually somewhere far, far away from the free state in which they'd grown up. In, in Solomon's case, it's Louisiana. Um, he spends 12 years, as the title of his book suggests, trying to escape that bondage and failing, which is a reminder, I think, to all of us um, that uh, the slave system was immensely powerful, uh, that neighbors watched out for neighbors, and running away was much harder than perhaps we can possibly conceive when we think of American slavery uh, looking back from 2019. Well, Dr. Richard Bell, well known to our Smithsonian Associates, not old better show audience, we thank you for your time today. And we are looking forward to this four-part series, again, titled The Books That Fought Slavery. Dr. Richard Bell, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Paul. Remember, Dr. Richard Bell will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates a four-series program titled The Books That Fought Slavery, starting January 31st, 2019, 6.45 p.m. at the Ripley Center. Thanks to Dr. Richard Bell for joining me today, and thanks to the wonderful Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. Not old, better show. Talk about better. Thanks, everybody.